You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. So we're getting near the end of Hebrews, and uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to have a look at verse 7, 8, and 9. Um, and the title of this message is Following Our Leaders. Following Our Leaders. Uh, if you, I'm not sure if this is an international game that uh, children played, but when I was a child, we used to play a game called Follow the Leader. And uh, one person was the leader, and wherever they went, the rest of the kids would follow. We try and make it as difficult as possible uh, around the garden, climbing under tree, under you know fences or branches or whatever, and everyone would follow. And uh, when I read this scripture, I thought, you know what? I think as kids, we were onto something back then. Uh, because this scripture is about following your leaders. And uh, let's have a look at it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 to 9 says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives. Follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, we were singing about that this morning. Uh, that... Uh, you're always working. Jesus is always working. He never stops. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, it says, do not be distracted or be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. And so this, this passage is saying, remember your leaders. And it's possible that... that uh, the leaders of the church were, were gone because of maybe persecution. Maybe they'd left to plant other churches or maybe there'd been a handover and they've got some new leaders. Maybe they died. Um, for whatever reason, the writer of Hebrews says, remember your leaders. And, um, and, he, and he writes and says, uh, remember your leaders and imitate their faith. You know, we can go around a lot and imitate leaders' uh, mannerisms or the way they speak or the way they dress or the way they do certain things. Or we can try and uh, imitate somebody's life and where they buy their home and what they do in their spare time, where they take their holidays. But that's not going to help us. It's when we imitate our leader's faith that's where the life of God, this, this life, the, the power of the new life in Christ is released through faith in us. And so the Bible says, imitate the faith of those who lead us. We also see from this passage that uh, imitate the leaders who taught them the word of God. It's the role of a leader to teach the word of God. And I would say it's a primary function of a leader in a church uh, is to teach God's word to his people. In the Old Testament, it was part of the role of the Levites to teach the word of God to the people. Yes, it was read out loud, but then it was explained and, uh, and the, the Levites helped the people to understand and apply the word of God. And we need that in our lives. In the New Testament church, uh, you'll read about it in the book of Acts. I think it's Acts chapter 6. 
the, the church was growing so rapidly, there was so much going on, that the leaders of the church were running themselves ragged, trying to distribute food to widows. You know, they, one of the things that they had a... Um, they had a real need for ministry was in the area of, of ministering to widows because the persecution was so high, a lot of people were getting killed and a lot of people were being left on their own. And widows were in particular a group that needed uh, supplies, they needed food, they needed help. And so they had this ministry where they would distribute food to, to widows in the church, but it got so large that the leaders of the church didn't have time to do the other duties of their ministry. And so they appointed deacons uh, to help with the workload so that the leaders could devote their time to prayer and the teaching of the word. You might think, well, how, how, can, how can a leader justify being devoted to prayer? Surely that's a waste of time. I, I honestly believe that if we stop praying as a church, we won't even see the end of this year. If we canceled our prayer meeting and I said to everybody, hey, we're not going to pray anymore, we wouldn't even survive another month, I don't think. We'd be gone as a church. Prayer is incredibly important. And I think two of the biggest dangers that the church faces uh, in the world today are deception, number one, and prayerlessness is number two. And it's absolutely vital that, that the church spends time in the Word of God and time in prayer, particularly leaders, and uh, we can't have a lack of truth and a lack of prayer in the, in the life of the church. But I also believe that shepherding is more spiritual than physical. I believe it's both for sure, but I believe often we focus on the physical side of shepherding and we kind of forget about the spiritual side. And I wonder if the spiritual side is even more important and that if we neglect that, we are really uh, hamstringing uh, our ministry. Uh, a little bit later in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, it says this. It says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefits. So part of the role of shepherding when it comes to leading God's church is overseeing, watching over people's souls. And that's spiritual. That's not a physical thing. Watching over someone's soul can be done through prayer, can be done through counseling and the Word of God and giving godly advice and things like that, helping people to connect with God, helping people to keep their relationship with God strong. And so the Bible calls leaders of the church shepherds, pastors, bishops, and overseers because their job is to oversee people's souls in the church. And the other thing that this scripture says is that shepherds have to give an account to God for the work of overseeing people's souls. And that is because the role of shepherding is given by God. No one can put their hand up and say, hey, I'd like to be an elder. I'd like to give that a go and give it a try. You can't do that because it's a calling from God. In the same way that 
all believers have a calling to be a witness, to go into all the world and preach the good news, to lay hands on the sick and see them healed, to be a part of the advancement of the kingdom. That is a calling that we have received from Jesus. And because of that, we have to give an account to Jesus. If I give Joe a job to do here at the hub, he has to give an account to me at the end of how he did that job. When God gives us a job or a, or a ministry or something, we have to give an account to God. Amen? That's how it works. And so a calling from God, that's why these shepherds have to give an account to the Lord for the work of shepherding. And when we give an account... The Bible talks about it. It's a whole nother preach. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where Christians give an account to Jesus and we're rewarded based on how we went in fulfilling the things that he called us to do. Anyway, that's another message. And then it says, give leaders reason uh, to do this with joy and not with sorrow. And it's a reality of leading the church that there's times of joy and there's times of sorrow. When it is an incredibly sad thing for a, for a leader to witness somebody drift off uh, in their faith and eventually end up denying Jesus. It's incredibly sad to see that. It's something which causes grief and sorrow in a, in a leader. But there's also times of joy. And, and one of the wonderful things about being in the body of Christ is that we have a shared inheritance. So when one part of the body does well, we all rejoice. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. It's like if you, if you stub your toe and you've got a, an injury on your toe, every step you take hurts, hurts your body. But it's because when one part suffers, all of the body suffers. And, but the great thing is when one person gets a victory in God, when Claudia shares her testimony, we're all encouraged because it's a victory for the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Anyway, let's, let's move on now from earthly leaders to Jesus, the ultimate leader. And there's a very big difference between earthly leaders in the sense of church leadership and Jesus, the leader of the church, the great shepherd. Uh, and that's because from time to time, we go through changes in church leadership. Uh, sometimes leaders move on. Sometimes there's a handover. Sometimes leaders have to step down for whatever reason. Sometimes leaders pass away. It's a reality of life. And uh, we experience change in earthly leadership. That's part of uh, church life. And while it's extremely important that we all have leaders to shepherd us, and I mean human leaders, including myself, I'm not exempt from it. No one is exempt from this. We all need a human shepherd. It's not enough to say I'm... Jesus is my shepherd. I don't need earthly leadership. You need earthly leadership. You have to have people that can come alongside you, that can support you, that you can be accountable to, that you can walk this life, uh, this Christian life together. But as important as that is, the most important leader in our lives is Jesus. Leaders come and go, but Jesus is a constant. Amen? Earlier in Hebrews, uh, we covered it many months ago, uh, chapter 7, 
the writer speaks about the Levitical priesthood. And one of the, one of the deficiencies or drawbacks of that priesthood is that they die. They don't live forever. And so the Levitical priests came and went. The high priest had to get changed all, you know, from time to time. But the, the difference is Jesus is not part of that priesthood. He is a part of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is an eternal priesthood. Jesus will never die. He ministers as a priest forever. Amen. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so through all the changes that we go through uh, as a church, changes of leadership, changes in our spiritual life, uh, Jesus remains the same. He is a constant in our lives. And there is a tremendous stability that comes from understanding that fact. When you have a deep revelation of the fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it brings incredible stability in our lives. We live in a world that's just that's changing all the time. I was talking about it to my family the other day and just how technology has advanced. Just in the last 10 years, our world is changing around us, but Jesus never changes. He's not like our world, amen? One of the main things that the church was struggling with uh, at the time of writing Hebrews was they were lacking endurance. They were struggling to hold on to what they believed. Some of them were abandoning the faith. Some of them were thinking, well, things are getting too tough. God isn't answering his, he's not fulfilling his promises. Maybe all this is a bunch of nonsense. Let's try something else. That's the struggle they were facing. And, and so they were... They, they believed that maybe Jesus was changing. Maybe God had changed his mind. Maybe he wasn't going to do the things that he promised. And now at the end of Hebrews, the writer is saying, Jesus remains the same. Hold on to the faith. Endure. Keep, keep pressing on. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You see, even Israel did the same thing. They had a covenant given to them from God and on day one what did they say Lord we're going to do everything that you've said in your word we're going to obey this thing fully and as time went on they began to drop everything until eventually they absolutely abandoned God they started bringing in false gods idols put them in the temple started bowing down to these other things and so eventually God took them off into exile. Why? Because they didn't endure. Because they never held on to what God gave them. The big difference that we have, because they were in the old covenant, is that we're in the new covenant. Amen? And the new covenant, we have a high priest who is perfect who has made a sacrifice that is perfect. It doesn't just cover sin. It pardons sin. He forgives sin. He does away with sin. And it's because of Jesus we have the power to endure. We're not doing it in our own strength. The Bible never says that. It doesn't say, look, these guys abandoned their covenant and these guys abandoned God, so you don't do that. 
Don't you abandon God. The way, we, the way we walk this Christian life is we come to God and we say, God, I need help from you. I need grace from you so that you can empower me to endure, so that you can empower me to hold on to the faith. It's the power of the new life in Christ. And it's all linked to our relationship with Christ. All of it is linked to your relationship with Jesus. And all the time, Jesus is ministering as high priest in heaven. Not just for the hour when you first received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do you think back to that time? Jesus didn't just minister as high priest for that 10 minutes that you said that prayer. He's still ministering today on your behalf as high priest. Because he doesn't change. Amen? Aren't you glad there's not going to be a handover in heaven? (laughs) Jesus will never pass on that role of high priest to anyone else. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, our our new life in Christ is not meant to be some stuttering, spluttering, start-stop kind of a life with God. One day we're charging the mountain, next day we're falling in a heap, then we get up again and we praise God and then back down again. That's not how Christianity is meant to be lived. Christianity is we have a high priest ministering. He's the same. He's a rock. He's an anchor for our our soul. And if we connect with him through relationship, we can have that same stability because of Jesus, not because of us, not because of our great ability to be stable. (laughs) We're drowning in the sea. But Jesus is the one that saves us puts us on that boat, gives us something stable to stand on. He's the rock on which we stand. It's because of this unceasing ministry of Jesus, our high priest, whose life and power never comes to an end. He's the reason we have access to God. He's the reason we can remain in God. There's an old word, abide Abide in God, abide in Christ. We don't use it anymore. It means to remain with, to stay with, to live with. The reason we can live in freedom and in victory is because of Jesus. The strength of our new life in Christ, it doesn't come from our own effort. It comes from the power of an unchanging Savior. See, the reason... The reason that some Christians start off well and, and then fall away is because they don't know Jesus. That's as simple as it gets. <laughs> the reason any of us would start this journey well and then fall away is because we actually don't know Jesus. Maybe we know about him, but we don't know him. We don't know him by faith. You know, sometimes people don't understand that that same power that Jesus used to save you is still working in your life today. It's not like he used more power to save you. He used 90% and now all he needs is 10% just to maintain your life. All the important but all the power went into raising you into this new life 
No, it's the same power that is working in you right now, this very second, that that eternal, absolute power from Jesus is working in your life. He ministers every day, every second as our high priest. See, people, people give up because they think that their salvation is some distant past event. And they forget that Jesus is working just as powerfully in their life right now as he did back then. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Philippians 2 verse 13 says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That's the reality. Right now, God is working in you. Right now. He's working in you to give you the power and the desire to do His will. He's not expecting you to come up with that desire, you to come up with the energy, you to come up with all the goods. He's saying, let me do the work in you. Just believe by faith, accept it by faith. Paul prayed for this, for the believers in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 20. Ephesians 3, 16 to 20. Look at what Paul prayed for the church. He said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than what we might ask or think. The, the power of God working in our lives is going to accomplish more than what we even imagine. One day we're going to stand before God and we're going to have our understanding broadened. Now we know in part, then we're going to know in full, and we're going to know the full extent that God worked in our lives. And we're going to look at it and go, wow, that is unbelievable. I only thought God was doing this, this, this little thing in my life. And when we get to heaven, it's going to be, this is what I did. Look at the amazing work that I did in your life. But right now, we can live in this because God's word has said it. All we have to do is accept it and believe it. Or you can say, nah, that's a load of rubbish. I don't believe. I don't feel Jesus working in my life right now. How can he be? Well, God's word says he is. I don't feel like God loves me anymore. Well, God's word says he doesn't change. The same love that he loved you on the day that you were born again is the same love that he loves you right now. This very second, it hasn't changed because God doesn't change. That's the point. <laughs> and I'm trying to nail it home over and over and over. Right now, God hasn't changed in your life. We've changed, but God hasn't. 
see, when we start believing the devil's lies, we think, well, when I was younger, God really touched my life. Oh, man, I remember back in the 80s or whenever it was. God touched me. Man, I don't feel that anymore. I don't have that kind of experience. And the devil lies and he goes, yeah, God doesn't love you as much as he used to. He's moved on. He's ministering in some other dude's life. You've been left. You've been ignored. (laughs) Things are different. I don't really feel the presence of God much more. When I read the Bible, it's like, it's just dead. What's happened? God's left me. He's, He's abandoned me. No, God hasn't changed. Jesus' ministry as high priest is still going on today. Even when you read your Bible and think it's dead boring, he is still working just as powerfully as high priest in heaven on your behalf. But you see, when we give in to the lies of the enemy, we, we get defeated. We have victory in Christ. This very second we have victory. But if we believe the lies of the devil, guess what? We're not going to live in that victory. A life that is driven by feelings. When you feel distant from God, you stop praying, stop worshiping, stop coming on a Sunday because your life is driven by feelings and not faith. Hebrews is saying the Christian life is a life of faith. Chapter 11, look at these guys. Look at what they did by faith. Those are the examples that should inspire us. These are the testimonies like Claudia's one today. We should read about Noah and go, my goodness, if Noah could do that, I could do that. God told him to do something which no one had done before. Build a boat. What's a boat? No idea. What's a flood? No idea. What are you going to put in the boat? Animals from everywhere. Two of each. How? How? don't know. God's going to do it. That should encourage us and go, my goodness, if Noah could do that, he was a human just like you and I. But the devil lies to us. Says, oh no, you're not like Noah. He's a great man. He had all the goods. You've only got 10% of what Noah had. We've got more because we've got access to the throne of heaven. We have a high priest ministering, a perfect high priest with a perfect sacrifice and a perfect ministry that never, ever, 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 ever changes. Amen. Amen. Jesus hasn't lost interest in you. (laughs) Jesus is ministering right now as passionately and as powerfully as he ever has ministered to anybody. He's ministering that passionately in your life. All you need to do is believe and turn to him. Believe the truth of God's word. See, whenever you hear a message, I can say what I like up here, but it's up to you to take these scriptures and say, okay, I believe it. Or you can go, nah, I don't believe it. Well, if you don't believe it, you get nothing. (laughs) Stop walking in unbelief. Stop believing the lies of the devil. God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. See, we, we believe the lies of the devil and we don't draw near to God. And we wonder why we don't experience God's presence. 
but we can turn to God right now and be in the presence of God because Jesus is ministering as high priest. You don't, he doesn't have to, we go, oh, I've, I've walked away from God. I've sinned. I've done all this stuff. God doesn't love me, blah, blah, blah. Jesus has stopped ministering. He's stopped doing whatever he did in the temple. He's doing something else. Now I want to come back to God. Jesus, please put on your high priestly robe. Start ministering because I want to come back to God. You don't have to do that. He's ministering right now as high priest and this very second if you turn to God you can get back into God's presence back into relationship Christians don't live on the bread that comes from how we feel we live on the bread that comes from every word that comes from the mouth of God that's what we live on whether you feel it or not doesn't matter you live on this what has God said So when I get up in the morning and I feel down and I'm like, oh God, I feel terrible. I feel like I'm distant from you. What do I do? I say, but the Bible says this. The Bible says the veil's torn. I have access to the throne of God with boldness, regardless of how much of a worm I feel. And I press it on the Lord. Amen? Amen? That's faith and not feelings. And so in the midst of all that's changing around us, we can stand firm because we have a Savior and a Lord that never changes. Claim this truth and stand firm upon it. You can stop searching and stop running and stop trying every new idea to gain peace or health or happiness. The scripture that we read earlier in Hebrews says, so do not be attracted by strange new ideas. That's what happens when we drift away from the Lord. We get attracted by all these new ideas. How can I get back to God? Because I tried this thing and it didn't work. All we have to do is believe the word and turn to the Lord. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. When you found Jesus, you found the answer and you can rest. You don't need to run anymore. You don't need to search. (laughs) You don't need to try every new idea because you found Jesus. Amen. Abide in him, remain in him, spend time with him and you will find that his grace will strengthen you. See, grace is two things. Grace is an undeserved gift. So good news. You don't deserve it, but God will give it to you. So when you come to God, don't think I've got to improve. I've got to get myself cleaned up and in a place where I deserve something from God. Grace isn't that. Grace is you don't deserve it and God gives it. And the second thing is grace is a gift that empowers. Not only don't we deserve it, but we don't have the energy, so God gives it to us. He gives us the desire and the ability to do His will. (laughs) Isn't that good news? Grace empowers us to will and to act according to the Lord. He gives us strength. So turn to the Lord. He hasn't changed. Turn to Him and you will receive grace. James 4 verse 6 says... And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
If, if you are struggling this morning, if you, if you are prepared to humble yourself and to say, God, number one, I know I don't deserve it, but number two, I haven't got the energy and I haven't got the strength to do this life that you've called me to do on my own. Well, you're a candidate for the grace of God. You really are. If, if you decide, nah, look, I'm not that bad. I don't want to fall in a heap before God because that's a sign of weakness. I think I can do this, at least some of it, in my own strength. Guess what God does? He opposes you. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. If you will come to the Lord and say, God, I need from you. I need your provision. You haven't changed. You're not cross with me one day and loving with me the next. You haven't forgotten about me. He never changes. I'm coming to you now and I'm humbling myself and I'm saying, God, come and minister in my life. And he'll do it. And you'll find that a miracle will take place in your life. You'll receive something that you didn't have. It's the grace of God. It's not in us somewhere that we have to find. It's in God that he has to give. <laughs> grace is given. Amen. Let's, let's close in prayer. Maybe this morning, you know, you are you're finding that you are unstable in your life, whether it's you're worrying about the world or the future or the, the economy, worrying about your kids, you're unstable just in your own walk with God. Some, you're finding that it's very stop-startish. Maybe you, one month you're into the Bible, you're into prayer, praying and all this stuff, and then a couple of months you're falling away and not doing anything. Then you're back again, then you're gone again, back again, gone again. God wants to be an anchor in your life. He wants us to walk on the storm of life, like Jesus walked on the water. Not avoid it, but walk on it. So let's turn to the Lord today and say, God, I want to humble myself before you and receive from you now. I don't want this just to be information. I want you to meet with Jesus right now. He's real. He's a real person. He wants to touch your soul today. But Father, we come to you. Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we acknowledge we cannot do this in our own strength. We know we've tried. We can't do your will. We can't obey you. Every time we try in our own strength, we fail. The good things we want to do, we don't end up doing. Lord, we need your help. We need your grace. So we humble ourselves before you. We repent of turning away from you. We repent of prayerlessness. We repent of neglect. We repent of pride. Trying to do this in our own strength. Thinking that we'll be okay without you. We repent of that. We humble ourselves. We come before you, before the throne of grace. And we say, Jesus, touch our lives this morning. Fill us with your grace. The undeserved favour and the empowering gift that enables us to do your will, to live lives that are pleasing to you. That's what we want, Lord. Not to perform, not to strive, but to live in a way that pleases you and brings glory to you. 
because of your power that works within us. Lord, I thank you that you haven't changed. You don't change. You're the same. You're the same eternal Savior that existed before the world was created. You're as loving now as you were then. You're as powerful now as you were then. Help us to grasp this truth. And I pray that it would give us such stability in our lives that other people would look at us and go, well, what is it about you? The world's falling to pieces and you are stable. You're not worried. And we can say it's only because of Jesus Christ. He doesn't change and he's in my life. Lord, come and do that work in our lives. We pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. 